Hey everybody, welcome into the MLB Extras Nationals podcast from the 2018 Winter Meetings in Las Vegas. Tim McMaster here with Jamal Collier. It is the end of day three as we record this podcast. How are you holding up? Uh, it's a little rough. My team's been busy this <laughs> offseason. <laughs> it was a busy day three, right, yeah. for the Nationals, for sure, as they pull off a trade. Um, Tanner Roark traded away, and they get Tanner Rainey in return. Let's start with Roark. Yeah. Um, it seems like the decision was made here, the fact that you look at what they thought they would get from him and the money they were going to have to pay him in arbitration, and they didn't think that was a good match. Yeah, I think that's right, right, right you know, right on the uh, – Kind of nailed it there. You know, Tanner was going to make probably somewhere around $10 million next year uh, from arbitration. Uh, you know, he had the really, really good 2016, but three of the past four years, he's had an ERA north of four. Um, and really kind of just been about a league average pitcher. And they looked at what the going rate was for the kind of back end or what they believe for those back end starters right now. Um, and, you know, Tyson Ross, for example, just signed with the Tigers while we were, you know, this week. And he had about $5 million. And they said, okay, we can use that money to go out and, and replace Tanner with one or potentially two other free agents or something like that um, just to get a controllable start with trade for a trade he was entering the final year of his deal so I think that they just had a, a couple of different ways they felt they could go with that spot um, and it was interesting Tanner and I think that that you know once they signed Patrick Corbin uh, Rizzo said teams really start calling about him yeah. thinking that they may have kind of a, an influx of starters in a rotation and when the deal went away so this move was made uh, and there's almost certainly going to be another move if not two to kind of follow up on it and kind of make more sense and it was Tanner for Tanner as yeah. they get Tanner Rainey Tanner Rainey was the number 23 ranked prospect in the Reds organization, um, live arm, good stuff by all accounts. Where it's going is is kind of the question at this point. You see that with a lot of prospects, exactly. um, but I feel like this is probably where the Nationals are. Other teams on the outside always think that they can figure it out. And the Nationals are, are a team that's like that. Yeah. I mean, that they, you know, they're the guy who, a team that takes the guys with Tommy John or takes the guys who, they feel like they're just a good pitching organization that, that it, uh, knows how to, how, to, how to, you know, develop pitchers. And I think that, you know, with Rainey, they, they see a reliever, um, which is an area that they kind of wanted to help out in their bullpen. Uh, they see a guy with the big fastball. He hit 100 miles an hour. He only pitched seven innings in the majors for the Reds last year, but hit 100 miles an hour. Not many guys still even are just able to kind of get to that top yeah. level triple digits. Um, so that, that they don't have a whole lot of young, controllable relievers on their roster that can make an option up and down that kind of have that potential right now that are just major league ready. Um, and I think that that was something that's attractive to them, a guy that they can have for a while here, um, potentially add to their bullpen and maybe develop into something kind of more special long term. But he was really good in the minors last year. 2-8, I believe, ERA it was, and, and uh, you know, 50, 60 strikeouts in 40-some uh, innings. So I think that, again, they just saw a lot of tools there. And if you're going to deal, you know, a pitcher like Roark, they wanted to kind of try to fill another area there. Um, and they with the reliever on this one. And you think he can contribute right away pretty much? I mean, I think that probably the, the assumption is they, they have some openings in their bullpen. I'd probably put him in spring training, give him a chance to win a job there. Um, and if not, they can option him down and potentially bring him up later in the year. But again, they just don't have a whole lot of guys on their roster with that flexibility. And I think that that was something they noticed last year when they, their bullpen felt like started to get taxed. They couldn't option guys out and, and get somebody in there. They had a bunch of veteran guys, Sean Kelly, Sammy Solis, guys who just didn't have options. And I think that, uh, you know, getting that was in getting a bullpen and building a bullpen that has that um, is was going to be a point of emphasis for them this offseason to kind of create that flexibility. So um, not entirely sure if he'll be on the opening day roster, but I think that having a chance to option him up and down is something that they kind of value. You mentioned that they're still going to probably make another move, yeah. and the rumors are swirling already, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Wade Miley, the name has come up a lot. Here's a guy that he was really good at times yeah. for the Brewers in 2018, and, and I don't know what the money ends up being for him, but 
you would think somewhat affordable, and he, he seems to make a lot of sense. Yeah, I think Ken Rosenthal also reported uh, Anibal Sanchez is a yeah. guy who had a, a pretty good year with the Braves and really pitched well against the Nationals. Uh, it felt like every time that they went to Atlanta and saw him, that you know, they were, they were kind of like, oh, this way, Miley still, you know, still <laughs> is good. Um, but yeah, I think that you know some of those guys again who maybe you have to, maybe a two year deal, maybe a one or two, a couple year deal, um, but you can get a kind of a, a, an affordable price, and, and again, just kind of use your your uh, that money from Roark. I don't think this is necessarily going to take that money in pocket or allocate. I don't think it's a a precursor to anything with Bryce Harper, I think, is more of a, uh, a, you know, to take that rotation money and kind of divvy it up in a couple of different ways. Because again, we starting pitching depth is, is still an issue for them. It's, it's weird for the team to trade away a starter um, when they are seeking depth here. But right now, they've got. You know, three proven starters, the big three at the top, obviously. Joe Ross is a question mark. Eric Fetty, uh, you know, has not been consistent. has been hurt in his career. Um, so really beyond that, they don't have a whole lot, uh, you know, a whole lot in the entire system. So getting a couple of different pitchers to add to that mix, I think, is still kind of a big priority for them. Since we did this podcast the last time, Mark Lerner owners come out and said, yeah. we're out. We're out on Bryce Harper. It's over. And everybody listened to him, and then it seems like everyone said, yeah, we'll see. Is, I mean, what's, what's your gut feeling? Are, are they out, or are they just posturing and feel like maybe they're not the inside? You know, we've heard a lot this week and over the last couple of days about this proverbial door that is right. still open here. And that's insistent and, and repeated, and everybody in the organization apparently has gotten a talking point that the door is open still on Bryce. Um, and I think that that is somewhat true. I don't think that anything is, is drastically different than where they were at the end of the season with Harper. I think that they've kind of went about their, their team and constructed their team with you know to have the possibility without him. But I think that it's, at some point this offseason, once uh, Bryce gets the offer he wants or whatever it is, I think there's just going to be natural for him to circle back to the Nationals and present that offer and, and, and decide from there. Um, you know, I, I would be just surprised. It would be out of the nature of these two teams, the way Scott Boris operates, the way the Nationals and Mike Rizzo have operated, for them not to to uh, at least engage or at least have that discussion and see if there's still room to potentially afford him because they do think very, very highly of the player. Um, you know, owner Mark Leonard in that same interview referred to him as fa family uh, multiple times. Mike Rizzo has, has gone to bat for him over and over again and did so again this week and, and continues to kind of do so. So I think that, um, you know, is it is it likely? Is it is it, you know, the Patrick Corbin signing and just some of the things they've done has probably made it seem probably a little less likely. Um, but I think at some point this offseason, you know, those two sides are going to talk again and, and, and see if they can get something done that makes sense for both sides. Speaking of Scott Boris, day yeah. three of the winter meetings means he holds his media session. Yeah. I think the main portion today before the little spinoffs went yeah. was 56 minutes, I think it was reported. I was there for all of them. So yeah. <laughs> all 56. <laughs> um, I'm sure Bryce was plenty of it. Just did anything interesting come out of that? And, and he always has a way of saying things. Yeah, there was no, there was no Harper's Bazaar or no. any, anything. Well, he already uh, used that. that yeah, and I, and, but I think, you know, he really kind of, we've seen over, over the last couple of days, the Yankees and what, the, what Brian Cashman said, uh, it seems like the Phillies are, are pivoting to Manny Machado. We've seen just a couple teams kind of um, publicly downplay their interest in, in Bryce Harper, and, and I think that, you know, Boris kind of spoke the opposite. He basically said, hey, these guys like to hold their cars very close to the vest. And I don't know if that's even the exact phrase, but they like to, to uh, like <laughs> but they like to play a secret here and not to let, let it out exactly how how much they're willing to invest or how interested they are in and just I think that the way he described uh, Harper's market was a very much more robust market than we've been led to believe um, and again which side you lead to believe which side you believe in general is, is kind right. of up for debate but um, you know he really I think that was the, the kind of main takeaway for me is um, he says there's there are suitors out here for Bryce Harper and that they've met with teams they've talked with teams and at this point they know the level of interest and as soon as they're going to probably start getting to some you know point of negotiation um, he wasn't really to put a timetable on when that would happen you know these things can happen quickly and change quickly um, but they're also again 
can re reiterate it, they're willing to wait and make sure they get the deal they want. So, um, you know, I think that was the, the biggest thing of, of the, the 56 minutes. That's the too long didn't read of all the 56 <laughs> minutes that was of uh, the Boris version. So just listen to this podcast. Don't <laughs> yeah. worry about and read, it. And read my story minutes. on MLB.com as well. I think that, that, that was worth it. I had to sit through that to get to, to, get to this. Jamal has the, uh, the Cliff Notes yeah. version of Scott <laughs> Boris and, and what he said. Um, all right. Other things with this Nationals team between now and and the beginning of the season, what else do they have to get done? Here? It's, I mean, they've been you know among the most active teams in the yeah, majors yeah. here, and they still have a couple of things to get done before this thing is over. Obviously, the rotation now becomes even more of a dire need, and, they, and it's not necessarily at the top, but I think they're going to find some guys to fill some depth out um, in, in that situation. They still need to build a bench. Um, you know, their second base market, they through varying levels have kind of downplayed their interest in that. But it's this this you know, during uh, the last couple of days here, they have reached out to a couple of, and met with a couple of different free agents in that market as well. Um, DJ Lemayhew's been a guy whose his name has popped up that they've been connected to. Um, I think they're going to explore that market and see if they can find somebody with value. One of the things I've just found most intriguing, and I wrote about it this week on MLB.com, is that um, you know they want to get younger and more athletic. It was a team last year who had a lot of guys who, who just didn't play good good defense or didn't move around very well. Daniel Murphy, Matt Adams, uh, the guys who were good and, and provided right. power and, and had value, but they didn't have they, they didn't run the bases very well last year. The Nationals weren't a good defensive team uh, last year, and I think that the idea of of replacing Bryce Harper if he doesn't come back. Instead of doing that with one player who hits 30 homers and, and has that same kind of production, they think they're just going to be a better run prevention team. They think they're going to pitch better with Patrick Corbin in the rotation. They think they're going to play better defense. They're going to run better, uh, run the bases better. And those little things are going to add up to try to replace the, a player like Bryce Harper, who's a four or five win player. I think that they really are trying to piece together and almost revamp their roster a little bit um, to have just a, a different kind of product. And it's kind of fascinating to watch and see just how they on the fly or you know, somewhat on the fly yeah. kind of are rebuilding this team and, and, and how different they may look you know, next year as opposed to they did this season. One more thing, Anthony Rendon. That's yep. the next guy. You know, Bryce Harper <laughs> yeah. is the big free agent right now. Anthony Rendon coming up. And there's some optimism on both sides. Yeah, I mean, Rendon has kind of made it public about yeah. his desire to, to, to stay in D.C. If, if something makes sense. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to take a discount, but I think that he does like it here and he wants to, or like it in, in Washington, and wants to stay long-term. It makes sense. And Rizzo said the same thing basically today is that, you know, he likes it here, we like him, and we kind of want to get something done. Uh, the two sides have talked over the last year at various points about this. They'll probably sit down at some point again this winter. They have the arbitration uh, yeah. contract to work out in January. I expect that it, that'll be the point. They'll try to really hash it out. But, um, you know, again, it just seems like there's a lot of momentum and a lot of incentive for both sides to try to figure something out, especially Rizzo didn't want to kind of uh, speculate whether Bryce Harper would have a, a, a you know an impact or whether he would influence this. But I would just guess that if that, you know, once if, if Bryce Harper does go elsewhere, that makes it easier to maybe take the money or some of the expenses you were thinking for him and lock up and try to find a way to lock up Rendon long term. So, um, again, I think the biggest takeaway for that is that I think that these two sides are you know, they like each other and I think that there's a, a, a going to be a lot of a chance to talk um, and potentially work out a deal all right you can follow all the news on nationals.com all Jamal's great reporting that's going to do it for this edition of the MLB extras nationals podcast from the winter meetings in Las Vegas Nevada for Jamal Collier I'm Tim McMaster thanks for tuning in